Today on the Almond Journey podcast. If you don't bring into the processor a clean crop, you tend to lose more money than the drop in the price, if that makes sense. You're going to get paid less per pound for your commodity because you didn't spend another $100 or $200 an acre trying to control an insect or a disease. Independent PCA Patrick Romero shares the latest on plant bugs and brown spot. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Today, we head just outside of Turlock, California, to visit with almond grower and independent pest control advisor, Patrick Romero. Patrick's going to share some of the issues he's seen with various plant bugs in orchards, including leaf-footed plant bugs and stink bugs. But first, we're going to stop briefly to hear from Blue Diamond Growers Vice President of Member Relations, Mel Machado, who's been seeing this problem show up in brown spot damage from these pests. In some cases, the economic losses have been significant. So I, I will say this last year, I know there were growers in Merced and Madera County that if they would not have had brown spot, they would have not had any reject issues. We actually had deliveries that were rendered as oil stock, and it was entirely because of brown spot as a result of plant bugs. You know, oil stock means there's no value to that crop. That Those loads were literally discarded. And there was guys that had 15 to 20 percent damage and total rejects, and it was all brown spot. So my goal is to have uh, reject damage on by all growers at 2% or less because that's where the premiums really kick in. If you're 15, 20, 25% damage, that's a huge economic loss. It's you know a couple thousand dollars an acre. Mel said leaf-footed plant bugs have been an occasional pest over the past 15 or 20 years and have generally come out of the foothills and grasslands on the east side of the valley. But he said that brown spot problems have definitely been increasing over the past few years. So it, it's kind of snuck up on us little by little. But uh, I've been watching it grow as a percentage of the total rejects. And pest control advisors have, have been commenting on it that, you know, hey, you guys are calling brown spot where we're not seeing the bug. And uh, didn't push back on it, but it really made you question what was going on. So as, as we continue to look more and more, it became evident that it's not just leaf-footed plant bug, but there's snake bugs out there as well. So now with multiple plant bugs to be concerned about and relatively few options for control, scouting and monitoring for these pests becomes even more critical. One thing I tell people is uh, I have a habit. If, if I was going to a field and there was a question, I would look at the landscaping. If there's trees of heaven, if there's junipers, redwoods, leaf-footed bug in particular likes those. We also see these kind of bugs coming out of fields of alfalfa. I'll see stink bug coming out of alfalfa. If you get alfalfa cut and they'll move next door, happens to be an almond orchard, you can have a problem. If there's old stacks of, of lumber, of pallets, of wood, of boxes, of bins, they like that dry environment in there too. And so I, I always look to see what's around the field, what's in, in the landscape or around the farmstead, the home place, to see what's going on out there and start looking there. And as you'll hear from Patrick Romero in just a minute, the dollars at stake here are significant. Mel is sort of known for his spreadsheets that show just how much of a difference premiums can make to the bottom line. I've got a reject sheet. The joke is this thing's been posted on bathroom walls and barn roofs around the valley. 
I said, gee, a 2,500-pound crop at $2 a pound at 20% damage, which I had some guys at 20% damage this year, $2,635 per acre in losses. It's huge. I've had three conversations already this morning with growers, and you know, premiums count. When you're in, into a low-pricing regime, premiums count. They add up. So, yeah, you got to protect the crop while you got it. So to remain proactive with Brownspot, Mel says it's important to be vigilant in your scouting and monitoring, and of course, work closely with your PCA. When you're in the field, if you see that clear exudate, you know, be aware of what it is. And it is clear. It's, it's this long string of, of gum-like material that's coming out of the nut. It's the sap coming out of the hull and just being aware of it and then alerting your PCA so that you can really be diligent in, in looking around and seeing how much of a problem you got. So on that note, now we get to visit with Patrick Romero. Patrick owns Patrick Romero Ag Consulting. After graduating from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in 1979, he planted his first almond orchard and started his independent PCA business in the 80s. But his love for agriculture goes back even further than that. He remembers riding on a tractor with his dad at the age of five in their vineyard and peach orchard. And he says farming has always been in his blood. You know, it's in your blood once you start. And you just love the smell of soil, organic matter, you know, four o'clock in the morning air, all of that. Two sons and the grandkids are all out in the country. They're all on farms. They're all almond growers too. So it kind of worked out that way. Very nice kind of a next generation, you know, into farming. Of course, we're hurting right now from lack of water and the cost of everything. You know that. From fuel all the way down to fertilizers, we're paying three to four times more than we ever have been. It's really tough, but I think we'll make it. you got to be a, a forever optimist, especially if you're self-employed and you're in farming. We'll definitely talk more about those challenges as well as the battle against plant bugs in just a few minutes here. Today, Patrick advises growers of both row crops and tree crops throughout five counties in the San Joaquin Valley and has 200 acres of almonds of his own that he considers his weekend hobby. Both of his sons that he mentioned there are PCAs as well. Over the past 40 years, Patrick has seen acres of row crops turn into tree crops throughout the valley and the changing pest and disease landscape that comes with that change. This starts to set the scene for us of the recent problems that Mel was talking about with plant bugs and brown spot. Back in the early 80s, as I was saying, we had a small amount of almond crops in the San Joaquin Valley, 25,000 now, whereas we're at 1.5 million. As the years went on, and being a pest control advisor to growers, because where at one point in the 80s was cotton has all become tree crops in the San Joaquin Valley. There were row crops from where my location is to Bakersfield, which I'm 200 miles away from Bakersfield. The whole valley was row crops at one time. Then they became tree crops, almonds, pistachios, walnuts. Well, when you have that kind of degree of acreage, you're also creating a climate or call it a predisposer for diseases, pathogens that hit those crops. You're going to have a problem with not only, like I say, diseases, but insects. All of the insects will build up over time because you've got a lot of host. All of your crops are becoming a host to these insects, so their populations build up. Now you've got a million plus acres of trees that have begun to get diseases because they create a microclimate in that orchard and then the wind blows, takes spores and infections downwind, then the diseases spread, insects spread, 
everything spreads across the board when you've got that many acres of tree crops. So that's what I think started this spot issue. Not only that, we never had leaf-footed plant bug or stink bug, because stink bug's the other one that creates the spotting on those almonds, until we had enough acres for them to regenerate their populations in. And what I'm finding with a lot of the spotting, it occurs more along the foothills. Because when the weeds grow in the winter, when it rains, they dry down and all of these insects move into the valley. Then they create damage to a lot of crops. There's certainly a lot of nuance here in the scouting, monitoring, and managing for pests like leaf-footed bugs, stink bugs, and other plant bugs. And this is really where we'll spend the balance of today's episode, starting with the added challenge that options for tools to control these insects are gradually being phased out. We're also slowing down on harsh pesticides because we're heavily regulated, as you know. But we can't use pesticides we used to use that did a better job on them. We're becoming a little bit more stewards of the soil which is and pesticides, which is a good idea. But we're regulated more so on pyrethroids. We're finding that the harsh pesticides create a secondary issue. They kill all the beneficial insects down to where these leaf-footed plant bug insects come, you know, they thrive. And then we're limited on what products we can use to control leaf-footed. And they are eventually going to take away, which the product of choice to kill leaf-footed is pyrethroids, if you've ever heard of those. They're on the, the microscope now being looked at by EPA. And I think eventually the pyrethroids will get pulled. We're trying to find alternative products to control the plant bug. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the county lets us do. Yeah. And as far as kind of scouting and monitoring, are these uh, difficult pests to scout for? Well, there's no traps. The way we trap these are they're sticky bottom traps, and we put a pheromone cap in there. It's a scent that the female gives off, because that's how insects are attracted to each other, by the scent. And uh, it is the synthetic pheromone of the female and the male comes to look for her. Most of these insects, they're nocturnal. They fly at night. So uh, we put traps in these orchards and we find, say, there's a, a degree of leaf-footed in that orchard. We can catch them in traps. Once we find them, we let the client know, what do you want to do about it? If you spray a pyrethroid, it is still allowed. Then you kill off the beneficials, and then spider mites can then come and envelop your crop, and then you've got to spray for them. So you start kind of a domino effect when you start using harsh pesticides. A lot of farmers don't like to create an issue. You know, they're trying to be a little on the organic side more and more. Not only that, but for worker safety and uh, reentry issues with, you know, their health. So they're trying to use less harsh pesticides. So the way to control the spotting, of course, is to kill not only the leaf-footed along with the other one that does the same damage. It's just a stink bug. There are two types of stink bugs that we have that attack almonds and vegetables. One of them is called the say stink bug, and the other one's called the conspers. They're differentiated by their color. The say is green and the conspers is kind of brown, striped. We also have traps for those. We catch any of those in the traps. We let the client know. You want to spray? Some will and some don't. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So are you wanting to do this scouting early spring for leaf-footed and, and the stink bugs as well? It's at Petal Fall, we're starting to set out traps because once that almond forms before that shell hardens, it is susceptible. Once that almond shell hardens, where it cannot get its uh, mouth part, and we call it a stylet, it's almost like a syringe. It can pierce the hole and go through a soft shell and start damaging that kernel. So once that shell has hardened, which is typically the middle of um, May into the 1st of June, the almond shell will harden, then the damage is stopped. But until that point, we're talking two to three months of damage that could occur to that almond from uh, petal fall, which is, uh, say, March 30th. So you got two to three months of susceptibility of damage to that nut. So it can hit a nut hard enough to where it could make the blossom drop early on or even that small nutlet once it forms at petal fall. Uh, did you say there is no pheromone for leaf-footed bug or there is a pheromone? They're trying to develop one. I think they just started to. We do have a pheromone for stink bug. We are catching stink bugs in the traps. The leaf-footed plant bug, I do believe they started using one. We're not using one yet. We do find a way of catching leaf-footed plant bug by filling a five-gallon bucket halfway up, and we find them in there. So they go in there to drink. They fall in and drown. So that's another way we try to say what's in there as far as leaf-footed plant bug goes. But then for the stink bug, we do have a pheromone. Uh, the way to control them is truly an insecticide, like I say, the pyrethroid. And I can give you examples of those. Those are by Fincher, Landesirethrin, Ambush, Mustang. There's all kinds of pyrethroids. And are there natural predators of these bugs? I do believe there are. But there's so many of them, they're hard to control. Their populations build up so quickly. We've gone into orchards along uh, Interstate 5, which is the foothills west of Fresno, and we suddenly see a tree that all the nuts have dropped off like a shaker shook them off the tree green. And every single nut has been hit by a stink bug or a leaf-footed plant bug, and it's got gumming on the outside of the hole. And that's the injury point or the entry point of that stylet or their feeding mouth part. And when that happens, of course, boy, pull the trigger and and treat that orchard. We don't want to see that because they'll keep migrating through that orchard, knocking nuts off the tree and just knocking green nuts. I mean, they haven't even started to hiss or crack. So it can be devastating. And I think it's more devastating in dry years because the weeds dry down early. You know, if we continue to have rain through the spring, the weeds uh, stay green and they've got a host plant to live on. Is there any other uh, significant difference between the stink bugs and the leaf-footed plant bug, other than we don't have the pheromone and traps for the leaf-footed plant bug? No, no, they're very close. They're both in the bug family. I think a, a stink bug can fly a little further than a leaf-footed plant bug. I think the leaf-footed plant bug, well, just like the stink bug, because we try to control them in other crops, their lifespan is probably most of the summer. I find leaf-footed plant bug all the way into grape harvest, which is late September. We find stink bugs on green tomatoes, fresh market tomatoes, all the way till October. They start in early spring and they're there all summer. I mean, they're both aggressive and they both have a generational thing that lasts about five months easy. Wow. And are there any varieties that are, that are susceptible even after the shell hardens? No. After that shell hardens, they just can't pierce that hard shell. We are finding now nuts 
that have been hit and we're cracking and, and breaking through that shell and we're finding no damage to the kernel. So they're still hitting that nut. They're injuring it. The hole pushes out gum, like a gumming symptom, if you want to call it. And then uh, they're not getting through the shell. So they're there all summer. It sounds like there's at least talk out there that maybe some growers have a bigger problem when it comes to brown spot than they realize because it may look like other things. Are you running into that at all? Yes, I am. With the onset of dry, which I think we're on our third to fourth year of drought, you know, where we've had less rain in the last three or four years, we've had a lot more fires. And with those fires, when they do occur, they occur and they have occurred in our area where we're under smoky skies for anywhere from 10 to 20 days. That's happened consistently, 10 to 20 continual smoky days. And when it's happened, usually is between, um, say, July 15th and August 15th is when we've had a lot of smoke in our valley from the forest fires we've had in the last few years. I have found that the humidity in the valley builds up. It goes to a very high humid level. And we are still irrigating our orchards. We're still continuing the practice. But we're finding that it's not only the stink bug or the or the leaf-footed plant bug. I think it's a matter of the humidity that's occurred in any given orchard since it has its own microclimate. Some of that stain comes from what we call hole rot. And hole rot occurs when that nut begins to dehiss or crack open. It has a certain amount of humidity and then it becomes very susceptible to any humidity and it gets into that nut. Then the shell starts to rot in the green hull. As that shell starts to rot, you start to get staining of that kernel. I've seen that also. So it, it is tough to distinguish the two, but you can tell if you take a knife and cut through that spot. If it's a deep recessed injury brown, it's an insect. If it's just superficial, just under that brown skin of the kernel, then it is whole rot. So we use fungicides. We've started doing that. We started the practice now when we spray the first spray for navel orange worm. We call it the whole split spray. Is usually the 25th through the, say, the 5th of July. We are now adding fungicides to that spray. But when we get these very smoky days, we still get the rot because it's tough to try to control a fungus in a steam room. There are some nutrient deficiencies that also cause staining that we've found over the years that we had to prove or disprove because uh, they bring it to our attention at harvest. Uh, one of them is boron. Boron deficiency also stains a nut. So we do a lot of soil sampling and we do a lot of leaf sampling through the year. And that tells us, okay, we're okay on the nutrients. We find the staining at harvest or, you know, shelling, then we know it's an insect issue, or hull rot. You know, that staining can come from a disease, too. It's in the monolinea family, they call it, which is the same fungus that attacks the flower. It's called brown rot. It's in that same family, monolinea. But you're finding that the fungicide applications, along with those navel orange worm applications, that that's managing the problem? It is, if the problem is a fungus. As far as the plant bug, you know, it's another issue. That's a pesticide treatment. 
That makes it tough. Uh, so are you and your orchard seeing, you know, leaf-footed and stink bugs uh, this year? Not too bad because I'm not real close to the foothills. I'm in the center of the valley. But yeah, I, I do find some. I seem to find more along, uh, say, the edge of the San Joaquin Valley, east edge and west edge. I don't have any in my orchard. I see them occasionally, but I do have an orchard that had some staining a few years ago, but I attributed that to the fungus and the humidity that the smoky days created because I could see the disease on that almond before I harvested it. The hull opens, it develops a mycelium, which is kind of a white fuzz on the hull. And you can see the rot starting on that. And then you go to crack the nut, you've got a staining on it from that hole and shell rotting. And that nut is not quite ready to, uh, we call it dehiss or the hole to crack. And uh, hopefully we can control some of the humidity and there's not as many fires as we've had. We'll keep using fungicides to control it. I got thousands of acres that farmers didn't even want to spray for leaf-footed plant bugs and stink bugs. So we'll see how that turns out because they did not want to then spray for that insect and have a secondary problem and get spider mites. Right. Because you're getting rid of all the spider mite predators. Is that right? Yes, exactly. You kill all the beneficials. The spider mites start to explode. Then you have to spray for spider mites. And miticides are 40 to $50 an acre for the product, let alone application. Application costs are going up and up because of the cost of fuel. But to spray an, an orchard, you're talking $40 an acre just to spray it once. So if you get a mite issue, you might spray for mites four times, you know, so it all adds up. Absolutely. Is there any way to kind of model out what your brown spot damage is likely to be from not spraying, though? Well, you have to go case by case. Some of the orchards might have more than others damage wise. Then you have to look at the price of nuts. And then you have to look at the cost and how many times you would have treated. And then you look at your yield. If it's a high yielding orchard, you lost more money than a lower yielding orchard. I guess you have to go case by case. Is it an economic loss? I think anything's an economic loss. And I think now that the price of these commodities, depending on the commodity, and let's, let's talk about nut crops, are down now. Price. What I've heard, of course, is not good for almonds and walnuts right now. If you don't bring in a good crop, what I've seen over the last 42 years, if you don't bring in to the processor a clean crop, you tend to lose more money than the drop in the crop price, if that makes sense. Because now you've got a lower grade, you're going to get paid less per pound for your commodity because you didn't spend another 100 or $200 an acre trying to control an insect or a disease. So you're better off trying to do the best you can, no matter how bad it is. I tell my clients, pretend it's a $10 market a pound for almonds, always. And you'll at least make some money. And some years you'll make better money. You got to protect that crop till the end. This year, I've had already uh, 1,000 acres of almonds that were let to dry up in Fresno County. So this year, I'm down 1,000 acres of trees. And because the price of water, and the age of the orchard, and the price of the nut. So 1,000 acres are gone, and there could be more over the next years if we don't get any more rain. So, And now where I live, we usually get 48 inches of water a year, and we have a dam uphill from us, and it didn't rain enough. So instead of 48 inches of water this year, we got 27 inches of water. 
So now we're trying to farm a crop with, yeah, about half the water. So thankfully, I've got some pumps. I'm running drip, but it's still not, you know, it's not good enough because you've got a reservoir of moisture when it rains in the winter. We started with zero reservoir of moisture in the soil. So we're behind on everything that we're doing, moisture-wise. So the crop does not look as good as it has been. We had some early frost. Some of the varieties are half the crop in the almond world. So um, we'll see what happens. I'm just guessing if we have less of a crop, the price may go up. But, you know, that remains to be seen. Well, I know you said you work with your two sons. You know, what do you tell them? What advice do you give them in these types of kind of unprecedented conditions? We're on the same boat. When they ask me for advice, I go, well, take it slow. Stay close to your family. Don't spend a lot of money. Well, on that good advice, we will end today's episode. Thank you so much to Patrick for sharing his decades of experience here on the show. The Almond Board of California is investing in ongoing research to develop a monitoring protocol and better tools to combat these plant bugs. With their goal of developing clear treatment thresholds for leaf-footed bugs similar to those established for spider mites. ABC-funded research at UC Riverside and Berkeley have also identified pheromone blends for two common species of leaf-footed bugs found in almond orchards. The pheromone will be tested in field trials this fall and, if proven, will be commercially available. For more current information about management of these pests, visit the UC Statewide IPM website, which we will be sure to link to in today's show notes. We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Patrick Romero and Mel Machado may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll join us for the ride by subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.